Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning, one and all. So glad to see you here this morning. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. One of my favorite singing groups is Sweet Honey in the Rock, and one of my favorites among the many songs they have recorded is Ella's Song, from which I have audaciously lifted the title of my sermon today. Ella refers to Ella Baker, the tireless civil rights worker who was born in 1903, the granddaughter of a slave. Ella Baker became fired up about human rights, listening to her grandmother tell stories about the slave revolts. She became active in the NAACP in the 1940s and later organized the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, SCLC, led by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Still later, she helped to organize the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, the Congress of Racial Equality, CORE, the 1961 Freedom Rides, and the 1964 Freedom Summer in the South that was aimed at registering black voters, working to overcome deeply entrenched racism in this country. Ella Baker continued to be a respected and influential leader in the fight for human and civil rights right up until her death on December 13, 1986, which was, coincidentally, her 83rd birthday. In her honor, Van Jones, a passionate and articulate urban activist and environmental justice advocate in Oakland, California, founded there the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights in the mid-1990s. He, Van Jones, was the prestigious Ware Lecturer at the General Assembly of Unitarian Universalist Congregations in 2008. I recently learned that there's another organization evoking Ms. Baker's memory, as it does its righteous work closer to home, right here in Dorchester, the Ella J. Baker House, that is aimed at transforming inner-city neighborhoods one child at a time. Their mission is mentoring, monitoring, and ministering to high-risk youth in Boston's inner city. The lives of these children are held as sacred. The ability to help them to feel less neglected is seen as a blessing and a privilege. I look forward to learning more about opportunities like this one and similar projects in the city. I'm still feeling pretty new here and getting to know my way, but I'm looking forward to hearing more about their work and others that have drawn the engagement of Arlington Street Church already, including working with our own UU Urban Ministry and its Renewal House. And I'm looking forward to helping in any way that I can, helping to build relationships. I am so very happy to know that that urban engagement is an active part of the ministry of this congregation. Ella's song, which I referred to earlier, goes like this. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes, until the killing of black men, 
black mother's sons, is as important as the killing of white men. White mother's sons, we who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. And these words directly from Ella herself, that which touches me most is that I had a chance to work with people, passing on to others that which was passed on to me. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. The pain and the suffering that are caused by racism are beyond measure. Although there are plenty of statistics easily available by Googling that reveal the historic and ongoing injustices, I'm sure you've heard some offer the opinion that President Obama's election may have marked the turning of our society into a post-racial era, but I don't see that yet myself, not at all, not by a long shot. In pretty much all areas of life, there are race-based disparities still very much evident today in housing, home ownership, education, health care, including provision of life-saving medications, in police practices, in our system of criminal justice and corrections, the imposition of the death penalty, in infant mortality rates, life expectancy, employment opportunities, actual income and earnings potential, taxation, voting practices, access to various forms of insurance, and more. And even though public policies and laws may have been changed to affirm equality in the mid-20th century, there are still many present disparities that are present effects of past intentional discrimination. That list of disparities, all that pain and suffering, all the ways in which lives are harmed, those injustices hurt all of us, even those of us who are privileged and seemingly spared in certain ways, because ultimately there can be no peace, no love in the deepest, truest sense without justice. Stopping to pay attention and to teach each other and to find ways that we might effectively address the underlying systems and ways we might provide needed direct service are all a part of our calling as a liberal religious community. We know we can make a difference, and we do make a difference in meaningful ways. We get it that our religious values must be lived. They are not just words, and I celebrate our faith in action. This congregation has done great work in New Orleans following the Katrina disaster, visiting several times to help with cleanup and rebuilding. And we're getting ready to send a team to go again this spring. Hooray, that's marvelous. And we're gearing up to find more ways to help alleviate some of the destruction and the suffering in Haiti, too, following the devastating earthquake there just a few weeks ago. I'm looking forward to supporting those efforts in the entire Jubilee program here in any way I can. This is not just a matter of engaging in social service work. It is a faith-filled effort profoundly grounded in our religious values, our calling to make a beloved community real. Many of us feel a deep yearning in our souls that summons us, not just individually, but as a community, and we respond with a profoundly heartfelt yes. This can be very courageous and important work, something potentially transformative beyond the immediate tangible relief 
and service that's provided. It can lead to the deeper work of confronting the racial identities that each of us has learned. We can explore together our racialized experiences and our race-based assumptions and the great racial divide that separates people in this community and in our country. And while we're on this journey, we can cultivate greater honesty and understanding among all of us here to learn new ways of being in authentic and accountable relationship with one another, to share the stories of our lives, to know and respect, and dare I say it, to love each other better. And to do all that, we are building the world we dream about. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Here we are, Unitarian Universalists with a proud track record, an important historical legacy when it comes to social justice and civil rights, right here at Arlington Street Church and in our wider association and in our country. We are Unitarian Universalists who proclaim principles and values that affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every single person and the inescapable interdependent web of existence of which each of us is a part, and justice, equity, and compassion in human relationships, all human relationships, and the right of conscience, and the use of the democratic process throughout all human endeavor, and the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all, for all, and the call to a free, free, and responsible, which means accountable, search for truth and meaning, and acceptance of one another, all of us, each and every one, encouraging each other towards a deepened faith and heightened spiritual growth. These are the foundational principles of our faith, calling us imperatively towards a less racist, less sexist, less homophobic, less oppressive way of being in the world, confronting the unfair systems and attitudes that exist throughout our society here in Boston and even, yes, even here in this church. Some of this is deeply ingrained in our systems, our own beings, our own souls. All of us have been carefully taught, just like that song from South Pacific says, you know the one, you've got to be carefully taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. I have been working most of my life to unlearn some of this stuff that I was carefully taught, the society in which we were all raised and immersed, and to see the systemic problems more clearly. And I know, I know that many of you are doing the same, and that also we all have some distance still to go to put oppressive ways to rest for good. We aspire to a wider inclusivity than we have achieved. It is a work in progress. We are still learning and growing. You may have seen the recent story in the Boston Globe just this past week, in which it was reported that Reverend Fred Small, my colleague in Cambridge, spoke of being embarrassed by racism. I'm embarrassed that white people have not done more for justice and to break down barriers of race, class, and culture, he is reported as having said. But he went on, embarrassment is helpful if it spurs action. 
A follow-up letter to the paper from him provided more about that church's efforts to become a multiracial, multicultural, justice-making congregation. Diversity isn't just about numbers or political correctness, he said. It's about transforming our culture to embrace people of a wide variety of races, cultures, backgrounds, and abilities. It is a continuing spiritual practice of hospitality, humility, curiosity, and willingness to change, he said. Yes, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes, and that requires changes of us. This work is not easy. Rebuilding New Orleans is very, very hard work, and Haiti will be too. And the spiritual work, perhaps it is even harder. There will be feelings that get stirred up on the road towards overcoming oppressions and creating sustainable community. Sometimes there are hurtful things said. In our quest to become more diverse, the folks of color among us carry a huge burden on this journey, and they may very reasonably find it quite painful and difficult. Some of us white folks are unwittingly ignorant or defensive, but we want to feel safe and forgiven when we blunder. I don't exclude myself from that either. In the exchanges we have as such learning unfolds, tears may come, anger may come. For some, our own brokenness and our own sense of inadequacy come up. I hope and pray that I myself and all of us will cultivate sufficient character and heart to stay at the table nonetheless as we learn a more sophisticated analysis. In many of the programs that have been tried in Unitarian Universalist congregations, a part of the learning involves the creation of an explicit covenant by which we promise to be patient with one another as we learn and grow, as we express our ideas and feelings. And so I'm fervently hoping we will all stay at the table and achieve a deeper understanding of where we've come from with respect to racism and all forms of oppression for that matter, and what's been the experience of people who've suffered with oppression who are with us in this congregation and all who've experienced discrimination and the pain and suffering that it's brought us. Together we might grapple with the question of what impediments, systems, and attitudes may be in place that keep us from more effectively welcoming, including, empowering, and appreciating Unitarian Universalists from groups that are frequently marginalized. And why should we do this? Because we are all called, you and you and you and me. We are all called to pay attention to the yearning, the suffering, the inequities, and to lift up the gifts and the talents of all of us and those great big hearts of love that we are all cultivating. The principles of our free faith demand it of us. The spirit of life demands it of us. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Make no mistake, we are being tested. Our commitment to ourselves and to each other, our willingness to be generous and to be self-disclosing, the truth of what we say we believe in and our willingness to make it so, our willingness to do whatever we have to do to overcome racist and other forms of unfair privilege inside ourselves and in our society's systems, all of this is being tested. And I do not by any means place myself above this process 
of being tested. At the General Assembly of our Unitarian Universalist Association, a year and a half ago in Fort Lauderdale, the most powerful speaker of all, in my opinion, was Van Jones, who I previously mentioned, of the Ella Baker Center in Oakland. He reminded us that Martin Luther King didn't say, I have a complaint, or I have a critique. No. He challenged us to be our best selves, reaching for a dream. And we can yet be that. Jones called for a Green New Deal, greening the ghetto first, he said, saying to a whole new generation, we do have a future for you. We Unitarian Universalists can help lead the way towards countering what he terms eco-apartheid. I think his work is brilliant, addressing the combination of economic, environmental, and urban issues with a powerful hopefulness and a great deal of love and dedication. You know, in talking about these issues, someone recently said to me, I am so tired of this race stuff. I just want to forget about it for a while. We're all just people, right? I just want to simply live my life. Or words close to that. Gently, as gently but as clearly as I could find words to express, I said, do you understand how you're feeling that comes from a place of privilege? Maybe some of us would rather not see it, but I think it is such good news that so many of us are openly addressing racist systems and our own internalized racism instead of avoiding it or denying it. Our world won't change until we take risks. We risk change openly, authentically, courageously, faithfully, and with maximally open hearts. As long as anyone's oppressed, we're all oppressed, and we all pay the price. If we want harmony in our community and our wider world, we must achieve greater justice. And to do that, we have to understand the ways in which we collude. Yes, we collude with injustice. Then we might become agents of change and goodwill, instead of complicit with evil. This is healing work, and it's to be celebrated, not dreaded. I am so looking forward to doing this work in ministry with you. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. May we steadfastly persist. I invite you to please join me in a spirit of prayer or meditation. spirit of life and love. Help us to understand that the lives and gifts of all are holy and that the future is in our hands. May we have strength and wisdom to use our own short lives well, pointed toward love and justice. May we each become living proof that we all have an unlimited capacity to decide what kind of human being we want to be and then grow into that person. There is no limit to the amount of happiness, peace, contentment, love, compassion, kindness, and generosity of spirit available to us for giving and receiving at any moment in our lives, 
no limit. May we know your abiding presence, O love, tenderly embracing us as we build beloved community together. Let us continue to help each other to build the world we dream about. And may we know in our hearts, our guts, deep in our bones, that new ways are achievable. For our own sakes and that of our children and our children's children, may it be so, this and no less. Amen. Blessed be. Namaste. And again, I say amen. Let us now hold a brief time of silence together. <laughs> 